I am Mark Clare, the host of the Lions of Liberty podcast. I should say one of the hosts. I have a couple alternate hosts, uh, Brian McWilliams and, and John Odermatt. I am the host of the flagship Monday show uh, where I interview all sorts of people in the Liberty movement, unprepared, in unprepared fashion. Uh, but our, our friends here, Nate and Charlie of Good Morning Liberty, are patrons of the show. Uh, they're actually grandfathered in at the, at the Aslan level, probably one of the, <laughs> the best deals in town. They get ads on the show, and they also get in the rotation for what we're doing right now, which is our Nittany level show every month uh, where one of our patrons, in this case, two of our patrons at once, you, you're merged into one person, gnarly or chait or whatever you want to call yourselves. Uh, you get to produce a show and your version of producing a show is let's just hop on and, and do whatever. And that's my favorite kind of producing as well. So yeah, we just like I'm to fun. hang out. It's not like we don't have plenty of things that we can talk about. 2021 is shaping up to be uh, I would say if you didn't think it could get any worse after 2020, you you weren't you're not a very good student of history. It can get a whole lot worse than what we had in 2020. So we've already seen a lot of crazy stuff going on, and we're about uh, 2020 to have, was nothing. We didn't no. even have the Reichstag fire until you know until January. <laughs> right, until this year. Oh man! Well, for those of you, I just wanted to mention real quick for those you know before we dive right into the politics here. For those that don't know, who are going to see this maybe on Lions Liberty, uh, as Mark said, we are Good Morning Liberty, and uh, we're still trying to become a, a top tier libertarian podcast. We haven't made that list yet. <laughs> You'll get there someday. Um, <laughs> but, I think I have. I think through Tom Woods dubbing me a top tier libertarian podcaster, I have the a, a power to dub that upon to you. I'm not doing it today. I'm just saying. Oh, I, okay. You know, it's what, something to, to keep in mind. It's what like level Patreon thing. donation is that? <laughs> That's one Bitcoin a month. Okay. <laughs> it's called the top tier level. Pretty yeah. good. Wow. It's just one Bitcoin. Hey, you get it on the right month. It's, it's a hell of a deal. Right. And so while we are called Good Morning January 2013. It's a great deal. <laughs> We're Good Morning Liberty. We rarely do episodes in the morning. We actually are support- I noticed that about you guys. We I'm always I'm always waking up, looking to wake up to Liberty, and I, I open my phone. It's not till like 4 or 5 p.m. my time I see an episode. You are it's like a night Liberty. You are free. We are Hawaii's favorite morning show from, from what we found. Uh, but you are free to Hawaii listen. Libertarian love you guys <laughs> they do. you're free to listen to the episode a day late and listen to it at whatever time of the day you want to okay and it's morning it's it's morning o'clock somewhere as we like to say around this but yeah we're just a couple of dudes that have been best friends for like 17 years well i'd say on and off best friends but friends and acquaintances <laughs> for quite some time and and so we just decided, hey, we both really care about this thing called liberty. Neither one of us are in the the big L tent anymore, but we are libertarians. We can talk about that a little bit if you want to. I really love that debate that you just that you just uh, released out to everyone. And I, I've got some some thoughts on uh, on what we could do for the libertarian party and the libertarian movement in general. Does but, that mean? Do you take the breaky side of that debate? I am. I personally am more uh, on the breaky side of it. What I really would like is a combination of both of those sides working together for the same end goal. That that is what I would actually like. And 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 so I don't think we can deny the fact that Ron Paul running as a Republican and getting on the debate stage might have been one of the biggest things for liberty that we've ever seen. And I, I don't think we can just ignore that. And, and act like we don't need something like that again. Another Ron Paul person getting on the Republican debate stage to, to spark some type of a movement. And, and so I've, I've got a lot of thoughts on this, and we've talked a lot about our, our future plans for the Libertarian Party and, 
Remember and, when uh, we thought we had that when Rand Paul got on the debate stage? Yeah. We're like, all right, yeah. here we go again, baby. <laughs> and then we're like, ah. Uh, just wasn't, he's just not as charismatic as his, no. as his dad. No. And I like Rand uh, overall. I mean, you know, A well, plus as a senator, but boy, I, as a presidential candidate. Look. I think Brakey missed another point there when, when Dave Smith was talking about how, you know, you know, Rand Paul having Donald Trump's ear did nothing. I would argue the opposite, actually. I, I think. You know, Trump sending Rand Paul as a diplomat to Iran may have thwarted entire World War Three. World War Three. I think it was very we might, important. But, yeah. but we might be caught. We might, we might be caught in a time warp here for for listeners of the show because this will probably be put out on uh, the Lions of Liberty public feed sometime this week. While I'm holding the breaky debate, Dave <laughs> Smith debate behind the paywall until until Monday's episode. Okay, uh, oh, so sorry. we can talk about it. No, oh, we can yeah. still talk about it. Yeah, let's just not let's not spoil the whole thing. We'll we'll <laughs> drop in some teasers, but we can Look, still have the the that's conversation. That's the only thing I'm going to give away then. Yes. Well, that's that's it. Well, I'm going to give away a lot. Also, more Dave that. is shirtless the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It um, was great, though. By the way, for everybody looking yeah, forward to Monday. That's why you got to join the Patreon so you can see the, the live stream. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, I've already listened through it a couple times just so I could get all of my uh, my debate responses ready. You know, we talked about it yesterday on our show, actually. Uh, what? Because uh, it seems like we share a lot of patrons. A lot of people were talking it about that debate that way, already. Yes. A lot of uh, yeah. You're welcome. Mixing. Yeah. So uh, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> I think that they both made really good points, and I think that we need a combination of the two of them. I, I, I don't think we can deny what happened with Ron Paul. I don't think we can deny what happened with the Tea Party movement as fake as it turned out to be. It did bring us Rand Paul, <clears throat> Thomas Massey, Justin Amash. Justin Amash is trying to bring people over to the Libertarian Party. Would any of us, any of us, even know his name if he had not ran as a Republican and and gotten the uh, won the election that he won? Uh, so there's, I think we're kind of retroactively deciding that um, the fact that Justin Amash was a Republican and the fact that Ron Paul was a Republican just doesn't matter as far as pushing the movement. And would we ever? even know who those people are. I know a lot of us would know who Ron Paul is for sure, but would those people have the influence they had if they hadn't decided to run as Republicans? Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I just, I don't care what the person's political party is. I know a lot of people, we're supposed to be like that, right? Like libertarians, I realize that there is a party and 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 that you want to support the, the libertarian party, but I just want there to be more liberty. I want there to be people that are fighting for less government and I don't care principles what the letter over is. party. Yeah, I, I'm literally principles over party. I don't care what the letter next to the person's name is. I yeah, want them to get elected. Is, it's nothing more than a tool, whether it has the word libertarian on it or the word Republican or the word fascist. I don't really care. It's a tool. So however that tool is used by whomever, if it's used to advance liberty and to get us in the better situation or to quote unquote, wake people up, whatever it is, I'm for it. So you, you know, if you're more passionate, uh, working in the libertarian party, you find the Republican party ugly and disgusting. You don't want to deal with those people. Cool. Go do it. Uh, if you want to be one of those people that helps us get the next Ron Paul type or an Eric Brakey tape, I'd love to see Eric Brakey on a debate stage. I think he would kill it. Um, and wants to, you know, take that more mainstream route, do it. We have to remember here where we are right now, politically speaking, Every party, including large elements of the Libertarian Party, are progressive parties right now. The Democratic mm -hmm. Party is obviously a progressive party. The Republican Party is a progressive party. They're just progressive light. What the progressives did is they took over politics and culture in its entirety. That's what they've done. 
So yeah, maybe the Democratic Party feels like you know maybe the the extreme version. So that feels like the quote unquote left. But the the, the Republican Party of 2020 is an extreme left wing party compared to the Republican Party of maybe 20 30 years ago. Uh, so the left is dominating. The left has dominated the culture war. They've dominated the political war on all fields. And if we really want to see quote unquote more liberty, however we define that, uh, we're going to need to wage war and wage battle on all fronts, not just pick one. So. Well, I'm I'm a let's do everything. I think, honestly, the progressives outsmarted everyone else by winning the culture war first. Mm -hmm. And you can see that dominating not only in politics, but throughout companies and education, for sure. And I think they definitely outsmarted everyone else by switching over to the culture war first um, and then obtaining victory now politically. Um, Because regardless, like you're right. Whoever's been in party, uh, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, doesn't matter uh, as far as presidential or anything else is controlled. We've done nothing but become more progressive. We've had, you know, increased taxation. We've had more wars. We've had everything that we we've had more of everything we stand against. <laughs> doesn't you know? matter who's in who's in control. Nobody's nobody's in Congress proposing a zero percent you know income tax. Uh, I, I think that's something that the liber- that libertarians lack as a long term strategy. I don't remember a lot of people, I mean, I wouldn't remember it at all because it was like 100 years ago, but as we started to enact little progressive policy after progressive policy, I wouldn't think that there were tons of socialists saying, "That's you're not socialist enough, we can't support you, there's no way that we can get behind this because you're not calling for enough government intervention and everything. And what they've noticed is that they can chip away and grow the government just a little bit at a time over the span of 120 years or so. They can grow the government just one little thing at a time. And I think there's a big problem with libertarians where if we don't have someone who's nearly an anarchist running and proposing those types of policies, then we can't support it. And that's where I get upset with a lot of the hatred towards uh, Rand Paul. Is he a straight-up libertarian? No. Is he a necessary step towards a libertarian government in the future? I think he probably is a necessary step towards that government. We have to realize that it's going to take 100 years to get towards the government that we want to have, and we're not doing that because we're not willing to take small steps in the right direction. And, and I think that's always going to be a, a major problem is that lack of long-term strategy and what is your end goal and what's that going to look like for 100 years? What's it going to look like in the first 10 years? What small strides can we make towards that goal? And no one's ever willing to really take those small strides. We demonize people like Ram. I'll just keep using Ram Paul because... I don't know, he's easy to to use when it comes to that, but we demonize people like that because they're not real libertarians and he's not like his dad. And we forget that you got someone in there that could help us towards a first step towards our hundred year goal of becoming a libertarian government. And and there, there's just no strategy whatsoever. It gets very frustrating. Let me ask you a philosophical question. Can we ever Ooh. reach a libertarian uh, goal? Because I would, I would argue that the progressives also have natural forces on their side because mm-hmm. when you look throughout history, I mean governments just grow that's what they do i, I haven't i've have yet to see one government get smaller uh, until all, all of well, history. At, at some point they get smaller but usually not <laughs> usually a there's a, a war it's, it's a balloon that pops <laughs> yeah so yeah. what do you think mark i mean is, is is did that only happen you know what i dream just, even possible what i just explained did that only happen because that is the natural uh force of humanity is to move towards more control and not because they were very smart at strategy 
I think it's this uh, interesting sort of dichotomy where as a society, for whatever reasons, uh, in, and in the case of the United States, it, it is kind of both reasons, uh, whether it's because they have prosperity through trade and uh, free markets and such, which the United States has had a lot of prosperity because of that, or if they have prosperity mm-hmm. because of empire building and such, which also the United States has had a lot of prosperity due to as well. Regardless of how that prosperity is achieved, it does seem to me that the more prosperity a society achieves, the more the the population sort of um, doesn't necessarily appreciate what got them there and starts to call for, as they have more wealth, you start to see them calling for new things because they see all this wealth and they, they can't really see the society before that. They can't really see, you know, what what got them from point A to point B? So once you have the problem of say food uh, is no longer an issue. Like we wake up every day in the society, and pretty much nobody, even the poorest of poor people, no one is waking up and thinking, "Where exactly am I going to get food today?" We actually even have an obesity problem. <laughs> yeah, we actually have an obesity problem, especially among the poor. More yes. so among the poor. <laughs> yes, uh, that's not an issue where we're going to get food. So when, when where we're going to get food is no longer an issue, and that is really where what our bodies are our, and our minds are biologically inclined to do. It's get food and reproduce. That's what we're there to do. So once once these problems are essentially solved, uh, the reproducing thing might still be a problem for a lot of libertarians, but that's a separate <laughs> issue altogether. But once these problems are generally solved society-wise, well now, I think we're inclined to find new problems and to beg for new solutions to new answers. And when you have this government and all this prosperity and all these people to tax, well, why shouldn't the government be doing it? Because the people in the government are people who are just responding to their constituents ultimately. They want to achieve more power. And if their constituents want more things from the government, whether it's paying their student loans or paying for their health care or all these things that people start to see as rights because all of what we, you know, all of the essentials of life have essentially been taken care of. Well, then we get into this point where it becomes this never ending cycle. Of course, politicians want to want to succeed, want to advance their careers, want to gain more power to do so. They have to promise more and more things. And people look around, they see a prosperous society and they think, why shouldn't we have health care? Why shouldn't we have this? Why shouldn't we have that? And so the politicians who have no stake in this whatsoever have not no no there's no reason for them not to promise it there's no reason at all the system is set up that way it's set up so that the people that promise you things face zero consequence for the the end result of giving you those things or of making those promises and the results might often not be felt for 10 20 30 years uh, and the politicians aren't going to be the ones taking the blame because now we'll always go back to well uh it's the capitalists it's the capitalists oh, yeah. you know when there's when there, when we call for a 15 dollar minimum wage uh if a business can't pay that quote unquote can't pay that or doesn't want to pay that it's not because of the minimum wage is because that business is obviously greedy and this is and uh, the problems never really seem to get addressed and to do to answer your question yeah i think it's kind of inevitable (laughs) (laughs) part of me thinks that but of course i i I don't want to give up you know uh, and i think what we're doing is important i also think you see a sense of arrogance pop up um during this time as well like so it's almost like gratitude because America was the greatest country ever to immigrate to. And so you had so much gratitude and people who wanted to build better lives. And you still have that. I mean, there's still people who die on rafts trying to get here from Cuba, but, um, but that, that gratitude sure does shifts to arrogance. And I see that like in tweets, like, you know, Jeff Bezos could be a hero. If he wanted to, he could eradicate poverty. Mm -hmm. And what that means, what I think that means the the person writing that tweet means if I had Jeff Bezos's money, I would, I would cure poverty. You know, which is mathematically impossible. Even these anyway. these statements that people make that shows 
so, so much ignorance as if, if you just took, you know, $10 billion and gave it to everyone poor, poverty is solved. No, that $10 billion would go to all the poor people. They would eat for a day each or two, and then we have poverty again. Yes. It shows no understanding of what, the, what actually causes the conditions of poverty or more, more importantly, what causes the conditions of prosperity because poverty is, is really the natural state. I mean, that's the natural state of mankind before we developed industry and trade. Uh, we were born onto this earth and we're born poor. We're born needing to find food, needing to find shelter. Uh, we're just really lucky, uh, you know, all of us to have been born at this advanced state of society where we're so far past that we're so far past um that 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 actually having wealth and having prosperity seems like the natural state it seems like what we should have so then people make i see these all these memes like there is no reason man i saw one the other day and it's hard to tell sometimes what's parody and what's not now (laughs) but uh you know one was somebody saying like there is no reason that if someone does not want to spend their life working for another company or working to to earn a living that person should be guaranteed the healthcare, they should be guaranteed housing, they should be guaranteed food, they should be guaranteed a cute puppy, they should be guaranteed <laughs> all these things in life. And because that's how it feels. If when you look, if you don't understand economics, you don't understand what got us here. It you look around, you you, you kind of feel that way. Maybe like you see, like why shouldn't people have all these things? Why should you have to go work work for some company just to have the basic things that everybody around me, even homeless people that have a phone, seem to have? Um, so I think when when most people who Let's be honest. We're raised in public schools. We're not. We don't taught. We were not taught any of this stuff. Any of it at all. No. Everything I learned about real life was taught was learned outside of school, either from my dad or from just being in life or books I read outside. I mean, what you learn in school is how to be a soldier, how to be a factory worker in a progressive society, top-down controlled society. That's what you learn in school. And it's funny we talk about how the, the progressives have taken over over the years. Uh, they've really played the long game in every way to the point, and that they've moved the Overton window so much that now the Republican Party, the the party fighting against progressivism, the Republican Party is the party that fights to, to open schools again so that you can <laughs> send your kids back to learn how to be progressives again. Yeah. That's the Republican Party. That's the resistance. Right. So you send them right. back to the indoctrination camps yeah, known yeah. as public schools. Oh, we got to get our kids back yeah. in school. How else are they going to learn to, to throw us into boxcars in 20 years? This <laughs> this is one of the big issues with messaging that I think we have because I think a lot of people that you were running through, well, why shouldn't people have healthcare and why shouldn't people have this minimum wage and and I really think that people who think like we do need to take as much responsibility as we can in the fact that we're not winning the messaging war for some kind of reason and that that is what we're what we are trying to do to be honest with you I think Spike Cohen is one of the best people I've heard as far as the messaging uh, to come out in the last 10, 20 years, honestly. I think that the way he handles the messaging on, on this whole idea um, is is possibly one of the best people out there. But we're, lo- we're losing when it comes to that because our ideas are, uh, well, I'll just be, they're right. Okay, so so we know it's right. And the reason you, can, you know it's right is because we don't want to force anyone to do anything with the barrel of a gun. And so that ends up having to be Right. At That's the, end the problem of the day. with libertarians, Nate. You guys just all think you're right all the time. <laughs> That's what I hear all the time. It's like, well, stop being wrong, and yeah. then we can stop being right. I don't but, know what to tell but our argument is very difficult because we can't. You know, I saw uh, who was it, Joshua Reed, Equal Post the other day that um, the libertarians' argument for healthcare can't just be that the free market will solve the problem. And I understand what he's saying when he says that. He's saying that we need to actually point out. 
uh, what the solutions will be, what it will look like. Here, if you if we're not going to provide the government-provided healthcare, what will the free market side actually look like? As we as we know, and you know, we don't have a free market in healthcare whatsoever. So, but we can say the free market will take care of it, but it is difficult to say exactly what the free market will do because then you're basically becoming an inventor and and deciding what the free market's going to do. It's actually pretty difficult if you were in the year uh, 1980. You wouldn't say, well, I can't get from point A to point B. And you're not like, well, don't worry. Someday we'll have Uber and you'll be using your iPhone. So everything's cool. Look at this future we're going to have. Right. No, you're an inventor at that point in time. And you would just go and invent it. So it's very difficult to say the free market's going to do this without actually becoming the person who invents that thing. People will create it because it's going to have a financial benefit and 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 they will create it, not because they want to help people, but because they can make some money off of it. And making money is just means that you traded value with another person. And so so we can't demonize that. But it we have a very difficult message because our answer is individual people who uh, want to help themselves out of their own self-interest are going to find ways to do things that are in turn going to help other people. And we're going to have a better life because of that. The only, the only evidence we have of that, uh, well, is, is, uh, all of history, all of history. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I was going to say, I was going to say the last couple hundred years, but but we have good, uh, we have good evidence that that's going to (laughs) happen. I think to Mark's point, we don't learn that in history. I mean, obviously like you learn about Hitler and you learn about, um, some. Uh, I think Hitler's like all I learned about history. Now. Exactly. <laughs> the more I think about it in right. high school, like what did I learn? How, How much did you Hitler? learn about Stalin? By the way, <laughs> I, did you I learned like Stalin? American Revolution, Lincoln freed slaves, and then suddenly we're at Hitler. Like yeah. <laughs> there's hardly anything in between. <laughs> exactly. Really insane. It wasn't until I, I mean, I, I started. I mean, I understood more than that. But really, a couple of years ago, I read Human Progress by Johann Norberg, and my God, my eyes were just like open with these unbelievable facts. You know, back in, I mean, before 1900, it was like 90% of the Western world, like the richest people ever lived on less than a dollar a day in today's money, by mm-hmm. the way. Like people were talking about, well, child labor is a crime. It's like, well, you know, back back before 1900, you started working on the farm when you were five or six or seven. Because like, yeah. because you had to, otherwise you didn't eat. Because we're in our survival <laughs> state then. Yeah, right? exactly. And if the you, only reason we can have the luxury to have laws that ban child labor is because we had already stopped using child labor because we had already advanced to the point that you no longer needed to send your kids to the field to, you know, to farm and raise the horses or whatever happened a hundred years ago. I'm, I'm glad I was born now. I'm, I'm so glad I didn't grow up, uh, you know, raising horses and all this sort of thing. Or I keep saying raising horses. Is that even a thing? What's it called when you... I don't know. I've never been on a farm, obviously. <laughs> Mark's out in California. Re- rearing horses? Is that what you do to the... What do you do to the horses? I'm not I don't sure. even know. Real farmers don't have horses, uh, horses Mark. See, you can't is, use... Is, you can't eat them and you can't use them for glue anymore. <laughs> those are for those rich, big city farmers that just yeah. want to show off their, their toys. This I mean, is how disconnected I am yeah. from the people. I'm, I'm, I'm over here on a horse farm, a luxurious now, horse farm. Nate's family are big time farmers. So, yeah. But they've yeah. got cows and pigs. And lots of lots of uh, grain. Yes, lots That's of grains. You know, when I was ten years old, uh, you know, my dad. This might have been child labor too. I, like I had an allowance <laughs> when I was a kid, but I I wasn't just like here's money. I had to do X Y Z chores. I had to walk the dog every day. I had to take out the garbage. I had to do the dishes. I had to mow the lawn. Um, so I had a job, I guess you could say, where I for twenty dollars a week I did like. All these tasks that I'm sure took me a number of hours. I'm sure I was paid well below any. I might have actually been minimum wage at that point in like the in early 90s. Um, but 
but and then at that point, you know, because I started doing mowing the lawn for my dad, uh, I became a little entrepreneurial and I made some flyers up and I went, went around to my neighborhood and I put flyers in everyone's mailbox said, hey, I'll mow your lawn for like 20 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it was. And I started basically a lawn mowing business uh, that I did for like, you know, the next four or five years. So you've been uh, greedy since I you was, were like 10. What's that? You've been greedy since you were like 10. Uh, I've been greedy since long before that. That was just when I realized, wait, people will give me money for menial tasks that I don't really mind doing. Right. Um, man, I, I got to be honest. Part of me wants to just like make life simple again and go back and just mowing lawns. Like it oh, actually yeah. sounds really nice. You get some fresh air. You're just outside. Like it's it's a straightforward task. I don't need to think too deeply about it. And it's really uh, freeing. Maybe Maybe this this show might change my life. I mean, I why do you think I could listen to a second tier podcast in your AirPods while you're mowing? You could. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think Forrest? I got my second tier playlist. Do you guys are right at the top. company? You know, so I'm we're, we're at the top of Mark's second tier playlist. That's good. Exactly. That's good. As I soon did, as I get to the top tier, you guys are right there on the next playlist. I talked to my wife about how uh, maybe I should just go back and drive for Uber or something, or maybe I should go back and wait tables at Olive Garden. Like, are you, I kinda, are you quitting? I, I might. I, who knows? Um, I, There's I, a simplicity to it is. that was like freeing, you know, very freeing. And you're not thinking about career prospects. You're just there just yeah. doing it. Yeah. I kind of I don't actually I got to go. <laughs> no. I was watching this. Uh, well, actually, I heard this guy. Maybe on. we should all combine to form a lawn mowing business. There you yes. go. <laughs> Every time we're together, we do talk about forming some business. Together oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we have the, the healthcare van. Oh, yeah. The, healthcare healthcare van. Van. the yeah. hangover Liberty van. healthcare van. Now we're going to start the Liberty Lawn Care business. <laughs> Liberty Lawn Care. That actually, that flows. That sounds really great, actually. John Bryant, I hereby renounce my stake in Lions Liberty. It's all yours. <laughs> I've got stuff going on now. And Are we're going to hire a bunch of 10 year olds. <laughs> Are you <laughs> and prove that child labor is okay? Are you allowed to mow lawns in California right now, or is that like a capital offense? Is that I think you probably honestly you probably are supposed to wear a mask when you mow your lawn, and that's probably not a joke. You yeah. are supposed to wear a mask anywhere in public. Mm. So is mowing your lawn public? I guess it's on private property, but I don't know. Huh. So that air is always mixing. So just gotta watch out for that sidewalk. You step over the sidewalk, there's probably cops sitting there waiting to waiting to take you in <laughs> right there how, for that. How are things out there uh in Tennessee there uh, corona wise? Um, you know the numbers, Charlie, do you know the numbers at all? We're pretty eased on a lot of the lockdown measures. I mean, everything I can pretty much go do anything, but any really restaurant that you want to go to or anything like that. Honestly, I mean, but you have like movie theaters and restaurants and gyms and things like that. There's one theater I know is open, which is the IMAX theater. I've gone to see uh, some movies. I think there. all the theaters are open. We uh, just went this. I know weekend. the one in Mount Juliet's closed still. I can oh. I can tell you that. Um, but there are some open theaters. Any restaurant you want to go to is pretty much open. Actually, a lot of them in some of the cities, uh, no one is even wearing masks at at all. And and it's it's pretty crazy. You you go in some cities and it looks like everything is completely normal. If you go in Davidson County, Metro Nashville, it's a little bit different, but still pretty much everything is is open. It's the traffic's still terrible and uh yeah, everything's kind of moving along. Now the case is it weird is it weird that I miss rise. traffic? Like I miss like <laughs> I don't that's not really true. I, that's actually the one good thing yeah. about this. You miss what traffic means. Yes, exactly. I miss, I miss what yeah. traffic means, not the actual traffic. Itself. Hustle and bustle. Yeah. It means human activity in life. Right, right. What, did, Charlie, are the numbers pretty bad here because everything's opened up or what, what's going on? I, I can't remember. I know yeah, as far as ratios are concerned, I think Tennessee's um, up near one of the worst now. Yeah. Um, was it out but, there? I think it was. I feel like I read this. Maybe it was Nashville, but maybe I'm making that up. But it was one city where they did a study 
you know, finding that there was basically no transmission at bars yes. or restaurants. Yes, Nashville. And then they, yeah, it, right. And they shuffled it. I might have even heard it on your show, actually. I'm probably yeah. stealing your they, material. They hid the, uh, they came out with a study showing that they, they couldn't really find any transmission from the bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, the, the county health department uh, pretty much conspired to hide, to keep that study from coming out so they could keep the bars and restaurants closed. And the data that, you know, someone, I don't know if someone hacked an email or it accidentally got released somehow, whatever happened. I'm sure that was a whistleblower. Yeah, I think that person ended up having to flee to Russia or something like that. But they ended up relaxing all of the restrictions a day later, saying that it was safe enough to open everything. So it was literally just the fact that they were hiding this study to try and keep everything closed. And once it came out the day after that, they announced that we were going into the next phase and that we could open up stuff and all that. This is when you really got to think like, what's the motivation here mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that will say well the politicians are just they just mean well they just want to do the best for everybody they're they're maybe doing the wrong thing but they're it's because they just don't know what to do here and they're 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 flailing about trying to do something about coronavirus but when you hear little and stories like this are all over the place all over the country uh, of them either hiding data ignoring data um it's clear when they're ignoring data or in this case more actively hiding data and I don't even know the answer. I don't know what the motivation is because what is a why does a random health department inspector in Nashville, Tennessee, care if about keeping restaurants closed other than to just maybe look like their job's important? Maybe that is the motivation. That's I think that's they have to look like they're doing something, or else why um, exist? Right, because what's the whole like you know free market will take care of it type of thing? You can't really like if you're not actively doing something, then people don't think you have a solution. Because I I hear people all the time. If, uh, if I say, well, what they're doing is wrong and some people will say, well, at least they're doing something. So it's some, somewhere deep inside people's minds, there's this act of like, well, at least they're doing something. I equate this to like, um, even in business, like you have busy work versus, you know, work that actually, as Jason Stapleton would call move the needle, you know, you see a lot of people and I have in my career where they just do a bunch of busy work and it's like, well, at least they're doing something. It's like, well, what? you're just wasting time. Honestly, like all the busy work doesn't really equate to, you know, getting, uh, more revenue or whatever it may be. You're just filling the time gap. Like you're do, you're doing something. Um, and people will, will say, well, you know, at least they're, at least they're doing something. I, I think that is the motivation behind it. I think it's to make it look like you care. I think that's the number one right. thing since we're, you know, emotions first, kind of society, look, this person cares. Did it work? I don't know. At least they're trying something. I think that goes for almost all of the policies, whether or not they end up working. That can go for the minimum wage. It can go for a government takeover of healthcare. It can go for stimulus checks. It can go for all kinds of stuff like that. At least they tried something. And we never go really... for the the war in Iraq. Yes, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least we tried. At least we tried something. We tried destroying a nation. We you know? tried. So Look, we and, gave and, it a shot, and I guess we succeded. At, at doing oh yeah, that, that one mean, actually worked out. We're I mean, actually, not, we're, not, not for them or for us, but one of the only people. tasks the government sets out to do, which is to destroy other countries, they they actually have been pretty effective at that. Well, actually, this one too, I guess. So yeah, uh, now if, they're we're, if now they we're made doing that it here. Their, if they made that their main goal. Then uh, they call the, it nation building, which is yeah. weird. <laughs> I, I forget the phrase. It's like something's boomerang or something. I'm not the scholar here, uh, but it's the idea that whatever the the government does abroad or overseas eventually comes back home. And we're seeing it now, even like with what's going on in D.C. Uh, in preparation for the inauguration, they're creating uh, something ar- in, around uh, the area of the inauguration called green zones. Have you heard that term before? I haven't. Uh, well, uh, no, no, I haven't. 
in uh and have you have you really not like yeah. in iraq the, the green zones are like the the kind of like military controlled areas they've established in baghdad and uh you know ra- areas around high high security perimeter areas basically yeah. is what they've established in areas overseas specifically like in baghdad um so now they're using the exact same term and the exact same methods Right here in Washington, D.C. It's have you ever seen a level of hypocrisy so big? I mean, just the, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but the, the level of hypocrisy we've seen between the two sides. And I think since we're all libertarians, we can point out that both left and right are both very hypocritical when it comes to all these things. But, man, I remember when it was a really, really bad idea to send the National Guard out into the streets uh, to try and protect federal buildings and 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 to protect property and and do all of the. I remember when that was like. A, you have a good memory because that, that was like three months ago. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I remember when that was just obvious white supremacy, racism, uh, you know, a dictator, fascism, all these things, and now it's like we can't get enough troops. In, you know what you're doing now, Nate. Though you know what you're doing. It's what aboutism. What about you're doing what aboutism. So your everything you say is invalid. I, yeah, I know. It it drives it drives me nuts. And I, Brian I, had a Brian had a pretty good rant about that the other week on uh, Electric Liberty Land, where he had about a ten minute rant against about this. It, it's it's like the ultimate uh, catchphrase. You just toss it at something because you don't have an argument. Anything comparing two things. Oh, what aboutism. Oh, yeah. what aboutism. Meanwhile, what about the part where you are actually being a hypocrite? Can we not? Can we Hi- not talk hypo- about that at all? Hypocrites have this list of what I call, uh, I call them flags, like a, like a referee throws a flag, a penalty flag t- during a game. Um, hypocrites that are arguing with something have this whole list of things that they'll call as penalties during an argument so they don't actually have to respond to they the argument. They don't have to be responsible so, for their incoherency. So they'll say red herring, straw man, <laughs> appeal to authority, what about they'll, they'll throw out all this stuff, anything, to try uh, to get out of having to respond to the point that someone's making. And the problem with whataboutism is not, what we're doing is not whataboutism. Whataboutism would be you making the excuse for you doing something because someone else did something is how I, that would be the bad part. It's this vicious cycle of because, well, Obama did this every time you talk about Trump doing doing some type of executive. Well, look at what Obama did. And when Obama's, well, look at what Bush did when he was doing this. And then you keep using the fact that the, the previous person did this thing as a reason to do it. And what I think is important to do is to call out when there's just a straight up hypocrisy going on and that both sides are wrong in in this instance and that both sides are being very, very hypocritical about the whole thing. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with just making that point and trying to argue for a more objective truth and reality in our conversations. But well, I agree. Of that, obviously, that's just because uh, I'm a racist or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't your know man, what that is. Sounds like you're mansplaining. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, uh, I had a question uh, from one of our listeners, Ooh. Patreon supporters. I believe he's also a Patreon supporter of yours. Jim McGill. We call him Magoo. Um, what do you think has better odds? Rob Schneider going on Brian McWilliams show or Trump pardoning Assange today? <laughs> Which one do you think has better odds? Wow. <laughs> oh, that is a tough one. Ooh, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go with Rob Schneider going on Electric Liberty Land. That okay. is going to happen. Actually, he had a well. I don't want to get into his personal stuff. Rob Rob Schneider had a tragedy in the family recently, so that's yeah. why uh, we're not doing it right now. But All right. that's All going right. to happen. And I don't think Trump is going to pardon Assange. Trump is the one that arrested Assange. <laughs> yeah, 
I, do you think there's a, the only one I've seen them come out and say he's not going to do is Assange. And it makes me wonder if we're going to hear anything. Uh, I did see that yesterday. People, White House staff was saying not to expect a pardon for Julian Assange. I, I think Ross Ulbricht is more likely than Assange. Yeah, I do. I do too. And I hope that since they also didn't say Snowden when the, when they said no Assange, um, that maybe there's still a chance that, that Snowden could get a pardon? I don't know. When people listen to this, they'll know. So I guess we'll just sound like idiots talking about this Have you right guys now. ever explored the idea that um, this is kind of a, a deep a deep conspiracy dive? The right. idea that Ed, Edward Snowden is an op? Uh, I, I, I'm not saying I believe I that, but I'm just I definitely heard. explored the idea. I'll be honest and don't know what that means. I don't know what you said. Well, okay. Sounds like that, you got peanut butter in your yeah. mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am eating peanut butter here, but that's okay. beside the point. Um, my morning coffee and peanut butter while <laughs> learn about liberty. <laughs> Basically, the idea is that Edward Snowden is someone who, that did work for the CIA. And as is often stated, you know, once you work for the CIA, you always work for the CIA. So there are those that believe that Edward and I didn't really necessarily put any credence into this until the last Joe Rogan interview I heard when I just started to. I can't really even say exactly why I started to feel this way, but I just started to feel this way listening to him for two hours on Joe Rogan. I started to feel like, wow, this guy actually sounds like he's parroting so many establishment talking points. And I started to think to myself things that I've heard other people say and think, does this actually make sense? Is this possible? And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because how normal now is the idea that the government captures all our data and the, and it's just, it's just taken for granted and it's not even seen as shocking. Um, I remember when I, I think it was like, was it like 10 years ago almost that it came out? I remember it seeming, it wasn't shocking to me. Yeah. Like I was like, of course they take all our data. Like who didn't know that? But it, it was a big deal. And I, I've learned to believe uh, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's uh, Russian interference, whatever it is, if CNN is telling us about it all day, we should be suspicious of why. It doesn't mean it's not a true thing happening, but we should be suspicious. And when this happened, we were being told about it like 24-7. And if this guy's a real rebel and a real like going against the system here, like he is, this is not in the Washington Post. This is not like in the New York Times. Like this is not on CNN. And... To me, it, I, I think it's a it's a somewhat plausible idea. I'm again, I'm not saying this is the case. I have no real evidence to, to say mm -hmm. so. It's a somewhat plausible idea that it was an intentional release, an intentional way to just you know shock shock us into this into normalcy, into this being coming normal. Um, and it is normal now. Is it not normal? I mean, does it, is it is there any resistance to the idea that the government captures all our data? Like, there's none. I mean. I don't even hear libertarians talking about it because we've kind of given up too. It's like, yeah, our, all our data is captured. And I, I include myself in this. I'm just kind of like, yeah, they hear everything I do. They, they hear everything I see. They see all my communications. Even when I'm on Signal or Telegram or something, I still assume that everything is being read or captured in some way. And so it seems like it's kind of worked and he's living a, a great life in Russia now. I have no idea what kind of life he's living. I'm just saying in, in the hypothetical idea where he's been an op this whole time, uh, he's probably doing okay. Living, living a nice it, life. Like he was the pawn, so to speak, that they needed to. Yeah, I guess it could be villain. a few ways. He could literally be an op intentionally working with them or it could he could be more of a pawn where he was, you know, maybe they knew he was given this data on purpose or given access to this information on purpose and they kind of allowed it to occur. You could look at it in several, several they different use tiers of conspiracy theory. like a like most conspiracy theories i will accept that it is possible uh but that i have no evidence that it is true I and have no so evidence, no. and so there and i know that's the same thing you said so i that could very well 
be possible. Um, the one thing about, you know, the Washington Post and CNN and all them talking about, it, I will say this was all tied back. I know that it was while Obama was president, but it did really mm-hmm. tie back to, to the George W. Bush administration uh, and the things that they did. So it could have been in an effort to uh, make that government, that regime look Dick. even worse. Old you Dick know. Cheney's. Um, th- that if that was be. the angle, I would buy that more. But I, I yeah. never saw that angle once. Like any, I never saw the Bush administration mentioned as in any kind of critical way throughout. Yeah. Throughout, yeah. One thing that makes it hard for me to believe are things like signal. I mean, signal is end to end encrypted. And so far I don't know of any technological way of breaking that unless quantum computers are f- way farther advanced than I know of. I don't know. I just assume they can like somehow record just what I'm doing on my phone somehow, even if they can't see signal itself. Oh, Maybe yeah. They can so they, okay. See they can, what I'm doing, like my screen share. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a, a government spy. I don't know what they can do, but I assume they can do a <laughs> Sure. Lot. Sure. You're not. That That's how you know. <laughs> that's when, just what a government yeah. spy would say. He would also <laughs> accuse someone that released uh, a bunch of information uh, as being a spy. That's probably what a government spy might yeah. do. Yes. <laughs> just saying. You'd also probably try to start a lawn mowing business, I bet. Yeah, that's what government spies do, actually. Um, uh, oh, Mark, he's just a he's just a, a hell lawn of a cover. Guy. Libertarian you, podcaster turned lawnmower is actually a government spy. Could, could you could have seen that one coming? Could you explain to me because you probably know this way more than I? Explain to me why I'm supposed to like or hate the Mises Caucus in the Libertarian Party because I haven't heard enough about it. Except, like or hate? Hmm. Um, I mean, so actually, to tell you the truth, the things I've I could heard, probably do both sides. The things I've heard about it are obviously that they were a bunch of vicious racist white supremacist but i know nothing about what it is they're actually talking for pushing for somehow this all skirted just just right over the top uh, it's probably only for like top tier libertarian podcast hosts to actually get to see what's going on when that happens so could you should i be still interested in joining the libertarian party and joining the mises caucus because i did join the libertarian party thanks to you and the argument that you were making back in the day with uh, Tom Woods and Jason Stapleton and, mm-hmm. and all of those. And then I saw enough posts from Nick Sarwark that I went ahead and canceled my membership to the Libertarian Party. And, and so now I'm That's what he wants you to do, I know. Say. I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's true. Um, uh, so should I still be interested in this idea or is it, is it all lost? What, what's going on here? Well, we only have so much time in the day, Nate, so I would never tell anybody they should go take this path and put their energy into it, or they should go take that that path. Uh, we have limited time in the day, limited time in the week, you know, but I, I, do, I do think it's potentially, uh, just as I see both sides of the Dave Smith, Eric Brakey debate as having potential for, for something, I, I definitely see that potential in the Libertarian Party. Um, I, I think it's a, a difficult, it all depends on your expectations. What, do you, what are you expecting to get out of it? Are you expecting to get a Libertarian president? No, then don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. Are you expecting to see a place where you can have a true, bold Libertarian message that you're probably never going to get on a, Re- a Republican debate stage? At best, we might get Rand Paul 2024. 2024, a somewhat tepid constitutional conservative message, which maybe is worth supporting uh, in the grand scheme of things. But that's that's probably the best we're going to get in 2024 in terms of like a Republican debate stage. So if you want to see somewhere where there's more excitement, somewhere where there's a hardcore libertarian message, there is that possibility within the libertarian party. And I think over the last 20 years, um, I think the most hardcore candidate of the last 20 years was Harry Brown, 2000s. And the last time he ran was in 2000. Since then, 
we had, well, you could call Michael Badnerick hardcore as fuck, actually. He didn't even have a driver's license. So maybe 2004 <laughs> is the last hardcore libertarian campaign. Uh, since then, we have had milk toast, former Republican, sort of quasi-libertarian. I mean, Bob, Bob Barr was a full-scale drug warrior when he ran. When he ran. <laughs> like, I mean, it's crazy. And then, you know, Gary Johnson, Bill Weld, even Joe Jorgensen. Um, Joe Jorgensen actually represents probably a trend back towards a stronger libertarian message because in the grand scheme of things, yes, um, she's a very nice woman, not an incredibly charismatic person, not an incredibly inspiring person. I wish no ill against her. Uh, I've spoken to her, interviewed her. She's really, really, really awesome person. So I don't, I don't want to deride her in any way, but she's not the most inspiring charismatic person in the world. She would probably even admit that herself. Um, but she does represent a move to towards a more libertarian message. I mean, she is like, like a Rothbardian and cap, I mean, in terms of her actual beliefs, um, I mean, she's she's definitely like not not a, a milk toast Bill Weld type <laughs> in terms of her political beliefs. She's way more hardcore than like a Gary Johnson uh, on guns and and, and on everything on, on, on drug legalization, uh, any subject. So the the candidate trend is definitely has definitely moved back uh, towards a little more libertarian of a message. I, th I feel like Joe Jorgensen was kind of a, a compromise between the Mises caucus types who are promoting really want to see the most hardcore pro freedom. Um, anti-drug war, anti-fed, anti-empire message, which just seems like it should be the libertarian message all around, but it, it's not all the time uh, based on the candidates. I, I think it shows that was kind of a compromise between them and the pragmatists uh, because Joe Jorgensen also didn't scare the pragmatists away. The people, you know, the, it wasn't she wasn't too hardcore scary of a message. But I think that her nomination does represent a trend in that direction. And if that trend continues, if you continue to see people uh, like the Mises Caucus, and I'm not a member of the Mises caucus i am just someone who is I, I ride in those circles i know a lot of people in there and i see what they're doing and uh, i'm not a, a like a, any kind of like member or per se stated supporter but i like a lot of the people there and i appreciate a lot of what they're doing and uh, i think those people in that caucus are the more enthusiastic uh of anybody i've seen and then that caucus itself i don't think there's any caucus that hardly takes in any money let alone this caucus is now they have their own pack where they're making they're taking it over eight thousand dollars a month just on their political action committee i mean so they're they're making real headway they're they're bringing in real players. They're bringing in money, uh, and they're they're bringing in the enthusiasm that it takes to win interparty elections, that it takes to win local elections. So I think they do represent a lot of hope. Now, why you should hate them, why you should dislike <laughs> them, uh, they do get a lot of accusations of being like either racist or entryist or bringing that in or uh, bringing in an element of like republicanism that isn't really libertarian. Frankly, as an unbiased observer who doesn't really care, I just want to see liberty, you know, liberty at large. I want to see liberty everywhere represented boldly. Uh, that's all I want. I don't care who does it or how they're doing it or, you know, whatever, where they come from. Uh, I, I don't really see that at all. Uh, I think just like any group, when you have like a Facebook group of like four or five thousand people, sometimes you're going to see a meme that some people find distasteful, but that's certainly not the trend. And, uh, you know, even things like if you look at their plank, I mean, uh, the most I've heard is like they're, they're border Nazis or something like that. And then, but if you actually talk to anybody in the caucus or look at their actual stated planks, they don't take a position intentionally on, on immigration. They don't take a position on abortion because those are somewhat controversial issues within libertarianism they put those issues to the side because they want to focus on what they and what i would agree with should be the the biggest issues for libertarians which should be anti-war anti-fed 
anti-drug war. Uh, those should be the big ones. And and on those, I align with them 100%. So to the extent that they are uh, putting that message forward, I'm a fan. Just like I'm a fan of anybody who's putting that message forward boldly. That's what I want to see uh, from libertarians, from caucus, from Mises caucus, from libertarian party members, from Republicans, from people who are not in, involved in any political party. I want to see as bold a messaging as possible, as bold and effective as a messaging as possible, because there's definitely ways to be bold and ineffective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's true. And I would say too, um, well, I guess I wanted to add or, or comment on the fact that you can't really help who your followers are necessarily. I mean, even we've had to block people mm-hmm. that come on, um, you know, our Facebook page or Instagram or something and, and makes a racist comment. Like we had no control that they clicked the follow button. We didn't have any control until we saw them comment. Like, right. so you can't. You could take a screenshot of that comment and then say that we're running a a racist podcast. Exactly. (laughs) But we had no idea who that person was when they chose to follow. It's like, same thing I say with, you know, Tom Woods, everybody was mad at him. I guess, what was that, a couple years ago um, that he wouldn't denounce white supremacy, even though he has. It's just, it's just, those type of things um, are just amazing to me. And it's, it's really amazing to me how much, um, well, what would you call it? How, like how big those stories actually get. Um, yeah. Like how, how you can have basically make something up and have uh, mm-hmm. so much weight behind it. It's, it's impressive. The, the trend of calling everything racist and white supremacist is getting super annoying to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really hate to see this from people in the libertarian party too, because to me, it means that we're moving away from objectivism and individuality and, uh, you know, individual liberty and personal responsibility for each separate human being. We're putting people in the groups. We're collectivizing. uh, We're moving towards subjective things. And um, what I really, what I really hope people in the Libertarian Party realize is that what the media did, this is no defense of Donald Trump, but what the media did to Donald Trump when it comes to the racist white supremacist narrative, they will do the same thing to the Libertarian Party based on their platforms. A, a party where there is no taxation or or there are no subsidies for special interests like clean energy and things like that, a party where we get rid of uh, a, a bunch of different departments that are helping this person and this person the Libertarian Party, even if they're on the, the left libertarians or the right libertarians, will be painted absolutely as a giant group of white supremacists by the media. And so that's why I never like this this bandwagon getting on and calling everyone white supremacists and racist because they don't support this specific thing or, or, or whatever the reason is. You not supporting... Uh, someone getting uh, welfare money or the housing and urban development or or di- anything, anything with climate justice and social justice and any of these things that we steal money from some person and give it to another person, you will be called a racist by the media. They will do the same thing to Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen that they did to Donald Trump. And, and they will actually have more ammo to do it because you want to tear apart even more of the systems that are redistributing money. And I really hope that people in the Libertarian Party realize that, that getting on this trend of deciding that a whole group of people are racist because of something that they support or don't support is insane. Marie said, here so, we go again. Nate's your white splaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think Maurice is actually a is also a patron of uh, Maurice Lions is Liberty. a patron of everything. I know Maurice is, <laughs> Maurice is like he has traveled the spectrum of like through GML to Lions of Liberty and then through to like he follows Bravo and Beer. He's over on Second Print Comics. Like he has just taken the full the full tour of the of, yeah. the, of our podcasting chain here. He is. And he's always number one. Thank he's, you. Thank like, you. Usually the first you, one Maurice. on everything. Please keep, please keep sending us money. Maurice, <laughs> Maurice actually just became a Nittany level patron as well. So he's going to be producing one of these shows a month too. Probably Maybe he'll nice. just have you guys come back on. Yeah. <laughs> Probably all the money he's made from GML. It's funneling back into lines of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> but works for me. I just, uh, however you got to do it. You know, my, my big thing is uh, the Libertarian Party needs to be, I think we need to do a better job if we're going to be in the Libertarian Party, Charlie. I don't know if I'll ever, you know, if we would ever, even when I joined, Charlie wouldn't join because he's that Libertarian. He just can't do it. He can't join. And, I don't even um, like boxes from Amazon. He doesn't want to be in a box. <laughs> That's how libertarian is. He can't be in the box. Uh, but Can't you send it in a bag, Amazon? There is, <laughs> there is such a big opportunity right now to not just be getting in on all of the division between uh, the, all the racial lines and, and all of those struggles, but the, look at the lockdowns. We got people that literally, they can't go out of their houses or they can't see their families or they, they can get arrested for not wearing a mask or you get a fine for not wearing a mask or whatever it's going to be. Like The Libertarian Party can easily be the place that you go to 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 hear about how lockdowns are not only unconstitutional but they're immoral and they're taking away people's rights and they should be all over it. They should be talking about how taxation actually lowers the standard of living for everyone, even though you think that we're getting all these great things from it. They're obviously very anti-war, but what I've seen from them so far has been jumping in on the culture war of deciding. Who's a who's a racist and who isn't and and who cares about this group and who doesn't instead of actually talking about uh, objectivism and principles and that the, the freaking non-aggression principle as boring as it is. Let's find a creative way to talk about it. I don't know. It kind of everything can stem back to the idea that we don't want to commit aggression against other people, even if it is to uh, instill some type of justice in, in some kind of way. And I just don't see that from them. And I, I really hope that we get some people in the chair position uh, that can help with the social media and all of that and, and, and fix that before I just hit that block button. I know they won't care because I'm second tier, but <laughs> but I'll make a big stink about Who it. Who cares when, when a second button, tier okay? podcast <laughs> or, uh, blocks them? I mean, it's like... Oh, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's, a, that's, that's all I have to say about that. We have another question from the group here. Um, I believe this was Todd. I have to go back and find it. He wants to know why... Um, it seems like the libertarians hate Israel. Do they hate Israel? I didn't notice that. <laughs> Why does well, the libertarian party seem to be so anti-Israel? I'm a libertarian and uh, I was raised in a Jewish household. I actually have some uh, cousins that live in Israel. I, I would not say that I hate Israel or hate. Well, actually, I don't know. I hate every state. I'm I, sorry. I, I worded gonna, it wrong. It seemed to okay, be there, so anti-Israel. There's like there's like physical locations that humans live and there's governments and nearly every government does bad things. And I pretty much hate, quote unquote, most governments. I don't hate the people that happen to live in any geographic location per se. Uh, I love Israelis. I love Americans. I love Mexicans. I love, I love people everywhere. Uh, I think why, what this person may be referencing is the fact that Israel gets gigantic, gigantic absolutely freaking gigantic amounts of quote-unquote aid the and from the united states that is all military aid and uh aid is it makes them seem like there's this port no they're not a poor nation they're a very wealthy prosperous nation uh but despite their own wealth we still 
gift them hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars. Of, Even in well, the coronavirus ha- relief package, they still get <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's how it works. We give aid to Israel in the, in the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars, more than we give to anybody in the world, I think, combined. They take that money, but the, the condition is they have to go spend that on military equipment from American contractors. So it all works out great. American contractors <laughs> get a bunch of money from it. And the reason there's a lot of ire towards that, and you're going to see more of that from libertarians than you would from Republicans or Democrats who support all these programs. Of course, you're not going to see it from them. Uh, they, the Republicans support military military aid. Uh, Democrats support the same essential thing. They might want less or slightly more, but they all support the same thing. Uh, they might have slightly different opinions about whether Israel should have settlements here or there. Maybe they should have a little less here, a little, but they all agree on the, on the basic principle. Um, and the reason I think libertarians are going to hear them talking more about it is because they're the biggest recipient of military aid. They're the re- biggest recipient of foreign aid. Uh, and they, they do a lot of harm with that aid. And a lot of people you know, I don't want to get into the whole Israel, Israel-Palestine issue. It's a 17-hour podcast we can go down. But it is a complex issue. And there are um, bad actors on both sides. Uh, but one of those actors has hundreds of billions of dollars and one doesn't. So, yeah, that one's going to look a lot worse in the grand scheme of things. That one's going to look a lot less sympathetic um, than the other side. So I think that when you have libertarians who look at things from an individualist point of view and see one state getting a large amount of money to do bad things from from military perspective from another state, yeah, they're going to be a natural target of ire. Uh, but I don't think libertarians hate the people of Israel or the human beings that live in a <laughs> specific ge- geographic area any more so than they might hate anyone else. Well, and the other thing is it's not our war. Yeah. This war has been going on for 3,000 years. <laughs> it's not, like, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> we pay for it. it. Yeah. No, I know we pay a lot for of, both sides of it. We pay for both sides. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know a lot of Christians. That's how much of our war it is. <laughs> I know a lot of Christians would say like, well, you know, we have to protect the Holy Land or whatever. Israel has to control whatever certain, you know, to those people, of, I would say that dirt, please pick up your bags and go over right. and defend your freaking land, but that's, stop stealing my money to do it. That right. That's my point. If it's really well. your land, better go, better get over there and defend it. Right. Cause it's not my job. I, I just think with, if there is any hatred, which I haven't seen specific hatred towards that, but we, I'll just say as libertarians that uh, we need to make sure we target that towards where it belongs, which is the U S <laughs> government stealing our money yeah. and then deciding that they're going to give it to other people. And yeah, and the message not, shouldn't be like, fuck yeah. Jews. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't yeah, think yeah, it is. No, I've never heard libertarians say no. that. Yeah. But, no. you know, if anyone is delivering the message in that way, I would encourage them to alter the message yes. slightly. Uh, there's <laughs> a slight messaging problem we'll talk about then. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, man. <laughs> uh, well, we answered that question. We settled, let's see, we settled the Israel problem. That's, <laughs> that, that's solved. All right. That that's off the good. list. <laughs> what else can we solve? Who would have known that would be so easy? Let's see. Healthcare vans. We got a mow yard. Solved healthcare that's with the vans. Good. Uh, we found we solved the, uh, the labor shortage with uh, the we lawn did. mowing industry. We're yeah. going to employ all the 10 year olds across the nation. I wanted um, to say on the lawn mowing thing, you, were t- you guys were talking about a life of simplicity. And I listened to uh, this guy who was on the show alone. Uh, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and it was actually a fan of, uh, very fascinating episode, but he was talking about, he spent um, years uh, in Siberia with the native people there and was talking about how there's just something about nature that, that like brings out this, uh, the simplest, the the simplistic life just like brings out this like very raw human side um, where you're not, you know, you're not plugged into all this technology. You just like literally your job, you wake up whenever you wake up, typically when the sun comes up and you go out and you look for food and, 
and you're, you know, you're, you're riding your ox or whatever it is. <laughs> it's that right. natural state of man we talked about yes, no, earlier. It's like, that's how, that's nature. That's like how we should be really. It's just that our technology and society has advanced so much faster than our biology that our body's like, what's going on? Like, right. why, why am I surrounded by these buildings? Like, what am I like, this, why is this all this data coming to my brain? What's happening? <laughs> I just found it's what, what's so weird is, um, and this may sound really strange, but something about listening to that guy talk about all that, just like I, I felt something. Hmm. I was like, oh man, maybe I need to spend some time in, in nature. It's going to hike. It's just like something deep down inside do. of me was we like, we all do. You <laughs> could do this. <laughs> plus, you get, plus you get vitamin D and then you want to worry about coronavirus. So exactly. <laughs> Look at all the problems we're solving. Yes. This is- Look, I'm just saying I get a lot of sun and I take D3 supplements every single day and I don't have coronavirus and never have. I, in fact, I haven't been sick once in the last like year and a half. At most, we might get like the sniffles for like a couple hours and then it's gone because when you keep yourself pretty healthy and that's, what's going to happen. Like you're not going to get sick. You're not going to get sick for long periods of time. I'm not saying if you keep yourself health, self healthy, you can never get sick or never get a disease. Sure. You can, but you're going to, your body's going to fight this stuff off a lot easier when you do encounter these things. If you're, if you're keeping yourself in a better mood, a better attitude. And then so many of the things that I've changed in my life in the last year have really proven that out. Like quite, quite obviously the fact that I haven't been sick in the last year, it's not because I'm wearing a freaking mask. It's because I've changed my life drastically. Yeah, that's something we don't talk about. Well, you're just a conspiracy theorist to throw it out there. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. If you think if you think the sun makes you healthy, you're a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) If you think vitamin D is good for your immune system, then you're obviously just peddling conspiracy. (laughs) I actually saw it was like, (laughs) I think it was like the New York Times again or some something that very recently put out an article like studies suggest that vitamin D may be effective in fighting coronavirus. It's like really something that everyone has known for like decades. You're putting out as this breaking news story that crazy conspiracy libertarians have been saying for the last year is, is now a, a breaking news. You don't need studies for some of this stuff. People, sometimes we can just say, look, when you go outside and get sun, you're healthier. We don't need to, <laughs> to wait for the New York times to tell us this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've got one. I know we're, I know we're um, going, going long here. I got a, a question. <laughs> This is a good all day. good question. If there was one issue that libertarians could get done under a Biden administration, what do you, what what would it be? What do you think it'd be? What's something that we could try and get done during this uh, the the tyranny that's about to be imposed on on all of us? What it, what's a realistic goal? That we probably we don't get? have much time because pretty soon it'll be the Harris administration. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and quote uh, Vin Armani, who was on my show a couple times last year. Uh, he had some very sage advice for people with this question. His advice, I wish I had the soundbite, like a soundboard <laughs> queued up because him saying it's better. But his advice is to get your shit and go. <laughs> That's your his advice. Get mm. your shit and go. Get the fuck out of this country. <laughs> and I'm in the process of exploring ways to take that advice as, as soon as possible because I at least getting out of like big cities like this. Um, but hey, I, think, I know a guy, uh, Mikel Thorup, by the way. You know, yeah, I know that guy that, too. The expat <laughs> lifestyle. Which you can find more about it at expatmoneyshow.com. Exactly. You know who's not worried about what's going on in the U.S. right now? Mikhail Thor. Mikhail Thor. Mikhail Thor. (laughs) Well, he is because he can get a lot more clients when when things are going down in the U.S. But um, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, you... Maybe he's been causing all of this stuff. The direction things are (laughs) going in this country is... At this point, somewhat inevitable. If you've kind of been watching what's going on, it's kind of like we're at a a stage culturally and societally where 
we are turning towards tyranny and tyranny doesn't come when one guy comes in and is bombastic and tweets a lot and uh, acts real scary and mean. That's not what tyranny is. That's that's not what tyranny is. Tyranny never really comes from one politician just grasping power. It's not really how it happens. It really happens from society going through a change and for society sort of turning on itself. And that's what we're seeing now. Like I'm much more afraid of my fellow Los Angeles like calling the police or screaming at me because I'm wearing a mask than I am of some politician of Donald Trump or even Joe Biden for that matter. The politicians have no power. They really have no power at all. They're just one person. They can't do anything uh, on their own uh, without armies behind them and this sort of thing. Um, what can do something is our, our our neighbors and our fellow man who will call for the police to arrest you if you're not wearing a mask or who will cheer you being put into a boxcar because you might have been a Donald Trump supporter or you might have voted for Donald Trump and you need some re-education. You need some truth and reconciliation. These are real freaking terms that AOC used uh, last week. Uh, she said, "Truth. We just need truth and reconciliation." Like, wow, you're just you're taking right out of the playbook. You're not mm-hmm. even changing the marketing here. Yeah. So we're in that direction. There, there, it's in, it is inevitable. I would say it's so inevitable that it's already here. We're here. We're here. I, so either recognize it and decide you're going to hunker down and form your own communities and figure out how to navigate your way through it, or stop bitching and get the fuck out. Those are really the, those really are the options. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to put quotes around that. Yeah, yeah. Mark Claire. Brian, well, and that's the thing. Brian uh, well, from Lines of Liberty. I, you know, yeah, yeah, Brian said that. Do you get out or do you stay and fight? I mean, that's the... Well, when, when I say fight, I mean... But you, not, yeah, I, mean I, I think the best you can I'm do not, is fight... Fight for your family, fight for your community, fight for your friends, form your own sort of protective barrier around yourself as much as possible. I don't think when when I say I don't think I don't think we can change like the direction that things are going overall. I think we can change it in small ways and, you know, kind of create our create our own communities and find ways to escape from it individually. But I'm not sure we can really change the overall trend. Yeah. Well, see, that's the problem. Not not the most inspiring message, maybe, but it's the true one. (laughs) The only way to uh, have some truth and reconciliation is prison camps. Obviously. <laughs> that's, if it, so that's well, they're just they were just for re-education. Oh just, yeah, just to be clear, it's just to you read some books, basically you watch a few videos, oh, and no. you'll learn why voting for Donald Trump made you racist and evil, and why you need to change <laughs> those ways. And it's not it's not something you got to freak out about. We are going to use some of the camps that they did happen to use uh, for the whole German and uh, Japanese thing. We're going to reuse just because we have a nice, we have their beds there and everything yeah. already. So it's easier, but but don't, don't freak out. It's so, fine. There'll be it's nice, just, friendly CCP camps. It'll it's be, school you know, part no two. Yeah. It's, it's no big deal. <laughs> and it's required. And you know, if you don't go, well, then you can go into a different box. When you put it that way, I'm not really that worried about, worry about where that one goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think uh, you know more questions coming in from the live group is like that's the best question: go or fight? How do we fight? Like, what do we do? And um, you know, that's something we talk about all the time: is taking personal responsibility. Um, I, that, I think that's the ultimate individualist libertarian thing that you can do. And um, you know, really, that's what you were talking. Don't about. Don't start a podcast. Whatever you do, we have enough. <laughs> <laughs> but what you were talking about, Mark, is is you know having that community and and those those folks is like essentially is. Um, Look at the writing on the wall and understand that this is what's coming. Um, hopefully, at least we, recognize it. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can. If you're not going to do can, anything, at least know what you're not doing anything about. Hopefully, we can <laughs> thwart it. But as you said, if if we can't because it, it's probably coming, then what are you going to do about it? And start thinking about that now. That's the best thing you can do. Uh, figure out a way of what what you can do to avoid. Uh, 
My line in the sand is prison camps. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's, a, no that's a pretty camps. good line. Yeah, <laughs> mine's mandatory. Mine's mandatory vaccines. No but one's you know, forcing but you know, me. That's your vaccine. line. Mandatory vaccines. It's my first. It's I have a lot of lines, oh, but okay. it's, it's a line. Okay. You know, yeah. you know when I got a lot of lines over here in the studio. <laughs> when they start talking, Did you about, say lines or lions. Who knows? <laughs> the lines of liberty. Here they are. When you that's start, the, that's that's the after dark show. The lines of liberty. <laughs> when when the conversation always when you have a, an an antithetical position, uh, the, and the line is always, "Well, this is just white supremacy." We played a video from AOC. Uh, last week as well. It's just every, if you go against them and well, obviously you're just a racist white supremacist, then, um, then you're starting to see that same rhetoric, um, as we've seen before throughout history. And, and the, the inevitable is, a is a worse place than we're at now. So and I'm not joking. You send your kids to public school. Don't be surprised when they add, if you're like any kind of conservative or something, don't be surprised when someday they are advocating you to go to jail or to advocate for you to be in a, in a camp. Cause mm-hmm. that's where this is going. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I wish I was being hyperbolic cause I'm really not like, this is where things are going. It is becoming the point where anybody, you know, it, it's, it's not now all the same thing. It's MAGA, Trump, conservative, libertarian, bougie boys, white supremacy. And they're all becoming one thing to them. It's all the same thing. And those things are all crimes against humanity. Things that people are going to need to be re-educated about to be fully reintegrated back into our society, or they're going to need to be put out of our society. That is the attitude they are taking towards anyone who does not tow the sort of a, I would call it the the fascist progressive line because we're seeing it's fascism now. It's coming out of major corporations. When you get 500 companies sending the same email every day, okay, something's going on here. (laughs) It's not 500 CEOs individually uh, having some revelation about Black Lives Matter or about the insurrection at the Capitol. No, these are these are literally company lines, but they're company lines from higher than these than these companies. This is the government now. The government is all these companies and the government. It's it's all one thing. Yeah, I literally there. I literally have. um, I can't mention, I'm not going to mention their name cause I still need revenue right now, but I have, a, I have a client that has a diversity and equity division now where they're doing trainings and reeducation already within side the organization. Um, and they, and they do, uh, what was the thing Jordan Peterson was talking about? The, un, the unconscious bias mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. and those types yes. of things. Yes. And I've had you, to take many of those. And if you don't adhere to those, then well, obviously you're just a white supremacist racist and we can't have you mm-hmm. because you're, you're a detriment to society. And so, Look, I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. Of course, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'll never give up hope. We talk about this all the time. I won't give up hope that we can still win the war of ideas. Um, but, but you should be prepared for either outcome. That's, that's what I say. I, w- I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing either if I didn't have hope to change things or change people's lives or make things better. I wouldn't bother. Uh, so, of course, I do as well. Uh, but I think you can have hope and try to change the things while also kind of recognizing where yeah, we are. Exactly. I, this is where I align with what Dave Smith had to say, which is uh, when the ashes all settle, because I have no hope for what's about to happen at, at all, to, to be honest with you. But when it does settle, how big of a group of people who... Uh, are thinking objectively and, and, you know, freedom, individual liberty, all that. How big of a group are we going to have of people that have those ideas uh, when, when all, when everything restarts again? And so that's what I, I'm, we, we use this to talk about Charlie's very optimistic. Um, I'm realistic. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that's how I, that's but how realistic, I see it. And that's just important. Yes, well, look, so if you know anything about personalities, it's just part of my personality. I see optimism in everything. Yeah. That's because of who I am. You know, I still think Nate's going to be a good person one day. <laughs> yeah, see, and I'm more realistic. I've given up. Oh. So, so anyway, oh, but what right. do you, uh, you know, 
That's all of our questions from the group side. One thing you can do is find a really good friend who's got a massive farm in a remote area. Yeah. A horse farm, hopefully. Yeah. Well, we don't have horses. <laughs> I just want to live on a horse farm. Is that so much to ask? One <laughs> thing I will ma- say, I think... I just want to live a simple life. I want to mow my horse farm every morning and... <laughs> One thing I think let the horses mow mow their farm. One thing I think that plays into our favor as we round this out is that I think most people who would uh, maybe lean towards the side of liberty have most the guns. So (laughs) I feel like that's playing in our favor. At least. Yeah. That is the positive, I, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they decide that the, the point- thing about when I say I'm afraid of my neighbors, like at least I'm probably the only one armed amongst them all. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If they really come after me, it's like, okay, well, this isn't going to last that long. Yeah. Well, listen, man, when everything hits the fan, um, I've got a big family farm up in uh, in Southern Illinois. It'll Can't be like the exact location. It'll be though. like The Walking Dead. I just need you to walk east and eventually you're going to find it. <laughs> I want you to find where the Ohio and the Mississippi meet. And then I want you to go due north uh, west about 20 oh, miles from there. Okay. West. And okay. Uh, and when you find the farm, and we'll just call it the farm right now, uh, then you'll you'll be safe. So once you guys backpack across the country and fight off all of the commies on your way there, uh, we'll be able to, to live in peace on this farm that has unlimited water and food and, and all this and, and guns. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be good. All right. So there's. That's that's a, that's what you got to do. All right, I'll send you a this map. Is the libertarian future I desire. I'm yes, <laughs> we're getting we're getting canceled after this show. <laughs> uh, if we're not canceled yet, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, that's only for top tier podcasts. Oh yeah, yes, no. yeah you, you're not big enough to get canceled yet, so don't even worry. <laughs> Although we read a story uh, last week, or was it yesterday? Yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday about how podcast is the underground, you know, uh, white supremacist. Uh, epicenter or yeah. whatever Do you guys have a plan for how you're still gonna have a podcast after they remove all the uh we have been talking about that yeah, yeah we're gonna have to figure that out yeah <laughs> i mean i i own i have every episode i've ever done offline so it, it can be rebirthed anywhere mm-hmm. yes until they i don't know they'll probably find a way to hack my hard drives too and delete, delete maybe it. y'all can <laughs> rent some uh liberty uh server space when i get that set up yeah Liberty servers. <laughs> that's Liberty gonna, servers. That's, that's our next starting. business. We're going to host them through Russia. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> totally cool. So Ed Snowden's going to be our IT guy. <laughs> yeah. He's already working on it. <laughs> so as long as we can keep him there. Well, Mark, it's been a great conversation as always. It has indeed. Fun hanging out with you uh, as we do this uh, once uh, a couple of You guys months. just paid me to have this conversation. I just want to emphasize this point. That just happened. That's and it was, well, that's because we're second tier. <laughs> Once, well, yeah. we, once yes. we reach first once you, tier, once you're in my tier, yeah, the money then, you'll, stops. then you'll ask us to come on the show without <laughs> right. any no, type like, guys. Of, could you please? Yes, please. I would love. Remember me? Yeah. Remember the good old times? This when goes good to old top tier Mark would let you on. This is good to go to show you. You still can pay for friendships. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, the whole, that's the Lions Liberty business model. I mean, you give us money, we'll we'll act like we like you. It's uh, really straightforward. Are we the only one grandfathered in at the uh, at the old at the old rate? I, no, I feel pretty good. A, there's not a one grandfathered okay, in. Okay, good, too. good. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, we're actually about to raise that level All entirely, right. but oh, you will still that. be grandfathered in. Don't you? Okay, worry. look at that. The grand the grandfathering continues. <laughs> I feel kind of bad about it, but I mean, hey, that's your guys. Hey, that's so, that's I mean, the bonus of getting in early. You know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's a good investment. You got in. You got in right as we were breaking through to the top tier. <laughs> there you go. It was perfect timing. One hundred and one, right there. <laughs> now you made the list. As good as Jeff Bezos's ex-wife. <laughs> All right, gents. Well, you too can be like Nate and Charlie. You too can be like Maurice and become a Nittany level patron of Lions of Liberty at Patreon.com/slash Lions of Liberty for. 
only a measly 50 smackers a month you get to get in the queue uh, and every few months produce one of these episodes like we did here today. So I encourage that of all of our patrons. Well, our patrons are already on Patreon, so stay there <laughs> and uh, and or, or join if you're listening in the public feed uh, days later like a, like a plebeian. And of course, uh, if you're one of Nate and Charlie's patrons and not one of ours, I think we have all the same patrons, actually. I'm not sure. Pretty sure. Uh, anyway, but you can be a Nate level patron and send us a little more money and produce one of these shows. Yeah. Really, it's a win-win-win. Pay for friendship. That is the libertarian business model. That's how you have great conversations. Yes. <laughs> it's by them. paying for it. <laughs> With somewhat real friends. Mm-hmm. All right, man. All right, guys, thank, well, you for, it, thank you very much for having us. We appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, guys. Um, thank you for continuing to take our money, even though... Uh, <laughs> you know, we're vicious, uh, racist or whatever it is. We people are these days that support the things that we support. So we appreciate yeah. it. And could I mention that people should, uh, go over to, uh, their podcast app right now and search good morning Liberty and then go listen to that podcast. I we have three, that. 300. And by the time you listen to this, there's gonna be about 393 episodes God on damn. there. 393. So we're coming it's up. It's amazing how guys, how fast you guys can catch up to me when you're doing a show every day. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty quick. So 393, go listen, take the 393 episode challenge. Only then can you leave us a positive or negative review on Apple, <laughs> uh, on, on Apple Music. So go do that. We're talking about capitalism and how beautiful it is. Free market capitalism Mm -hmm. and liberty individual liberty personal responsibility life liberty in the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to join now before we become a top tier podcast it's going to get way more expensive yeah mark fun as always you stay absolutely guys talk to you soon all right keep up the great work keep on roaring